podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, just all the caffeine. I need yes. a little. I need a little drip at the moment. Like I'm yeah. working all the time, and <laughs> coffee is like my best friend and my cat keeps you going. That's it. Um, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, I'm Carrie Ann Long, and I have been a therapist for over 12 years and I became a dating coach a couple years ago. So I do both now kind of moving more and more towards dating coaching. And my main goal is to help people find their person who they want to be in a relationship with and help them build a healthy, lasting, sustainable relationship. So there's just more happy, healthy love out in this world. Okay. Yeah, that's all what we all need, right? <laughs> yeah well what what got you into that because that's super left field yeah uh, tra- <laughs> traditionally it's like ah, uh, it's kind of potluck right yes so yes what got you there like what's what journey took you down this road yeah so um to become a therapist I went the route of getting trained in marriage and family therapy because that's one of the main ways to be a therapist in California where I live um So I learned a ton about relationships um, and I worked a lot with couples and families when I first started. And I saw over time that both by working with single people and by working with um, people who are already in relationships, that there were a lot of things that were problems in relationships further down the line that could be prevented if people got things right from the very beginning. So if people were choosing partners who they were more aligned with in terms of values, like that's one of the things that prevents most of the biggest relationship problems. Um, And I had this really cool opportunity to um, become the therapist for a company of folks who um, had a lot of young men working for them. A lot of them were traveling a lot and had jobs that were kind of irregular. And so because of that, it was hard for them to find partners and relationships. And so there were a lot of men in their twenties and thirties who were wanting partnership, but hadn't found it yet. And so the person who brought me on thought, oh, you're a marriage and family therapist. You might be able to help these folks kind of get settled into their lives in a way that they want to be. And um, I'd done a little bit of work here and there with other single folks who'd come to therapy. We're just having a hard time finding relationships, but I did a lot of that work when I worked for this company. And a couple of the people who I worked with really changed their whole experience of relationships went from, you know, having bad relationship experience after bad relationship experience to both of them getting engaged. They might even be married now. I'm not like in touch with them still, but that felt really good to me to be able to have that level of impact on someone's life and happiness um, and stability, you know? So uh, I thought, well, maybe I have something here. Maybe I can help more people with this. And because it's not something that people often come to therapy specifically for, I thought maybe I'll offer this as a really specific separate service, um, dating coaching and, and kind of teach people my perspectives and philosophies on how to, you know, find the right match for you and really set yourself up to having a long, healthy, happy, sustainable relationship. Wow. Wow. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. So it's been really fun. I'm, I'm going to ask like a, a rather direct-ish question of like, is it finding that person or is it like creating that person? 
put in a better term because hmm. that sounds kind of fucked up but you know what I mean <laughs> when you say creating that person what do you mean by that as in obviously you need it takes two to tango right mm. so it's building that relationship but it needs to come from both sides because one person absolutely putting in all the work and then the other person doesn't really give two tosses and you're fighting or you're sailing a sinking ship um so do you think it's that or is it like we're going to find that one person everything's going to be kind of plain sailing into the sunset Definitely not. And, and that's why I think, um, you know, my original idea about what I was going to help people with was just finding the person. And then I realized it's not just finding the person that people have a hard time with. It's finding the person and then developing the relationship. Right. And going through all of that early negotiating, communicating stuff, like how you're a separate person. I'm a separate person. We're coming together. How do we navigate that together in a way that feels good for both of us? So I don't think it's just about finding the person. I think it's about finding the person and then kind of coming together and creating the ideal relationship. Mm, what do you What do you see as like the biggest barriers um, to the building process at the start? Mm, that's a good question. I think it varies a lot um, from from person to person, but. The most general thing that stands out to me is uh, a fear of vulnerability. So because people and fear, which kind of ties into fear of rejection. So because people are afraid that when they really like someone and they're invested in making something work with that person, they often will kind of shut what's true about them down in order to make the relationship work. And that does not help build a healthy, happy relationship because then you're, you're, and people do this all the time. So if someone's listening to this and they feel like, oh, I've done that, like, don't feel bad. Don't feel alone. Like this happens all the time, but uh, then you're building a relationship from kind of an artificial place, right? You're not building a relationship from a true authentic place. Um, so that comes to mind as a major barrier that people, because of their fear of rejection, because of their fear of vulnerability, they don't bring their true selves forward and they're afraid to communicate about the things that are actually important to them. So the relationship starts to get built on this really shaky ground. Mm, it's scary, right? Like I think yeah. things are coming to the forefront of everyone wears masks, uh, different people at work and uh, different people sometimes in their friendship circle, if it's like a wider circle, but mm -hmm. like legitimately some people are different in that relationship. They're supposed to be the person who's closest to them and mm -hmm. you might not actually be being yourself. And that's, that's a scary, scary thought. Mm -hmm. It is. Wow. Fuck. I know, um, <laughs> I know for me, like, looking back is from like i'll speak from a male's perspective is mm -hmm. it's all insecurity right and mm -hmm. feeling vulnerable for for a dude is a big no-no that's not happening mm -hmm. fear you're unsafe something's going to go down you're going to get hurt and usually you know hurt means you start um responding aggressively and i'm mm -hmm. talking different situations so you're in I don't know whether you're at school or whatever happens or you're out in the club or whatever happens or you're just on the street, boom, okay, fist is clenched, we're ready to fight, you're going to fight mm -hmm. another dude. And then obviously now we're, say for example, we've got a, we've got a, a straight relationship, a male, female, for example, mm -hmm. sake. Um, 
if something goes down, obviously that's not going to be the response or oh, God, right. you would, you would fucking think. And hope, yes. Right. Yes. So now you're like, well, what do I do? Because I've got a one get out of jail free card and that's where we, we're going to start scrapping. Mm-hmm. That isn't going to happen now because it's a male towards a female and it's a relationship rather than just mm-hmm. some sort of like aggressive behavior towards a stranger. Like, mm-hmm. well, what do you do? And they have nowhere to go. And that's usually when mm-hmm. we start breaking down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and what happens often in relationships between men and women, I think, is that, and you can correct me if you feel differently, but um, that when men feel vulnerable, they get defensive and because they can't be aggressive physically, which might be kind of the go-to reaction. Like if you're out in the street, that might be your um, kind of biological response, then they can be kind of verbally aggressive. Even if it's not to the point of yelling, it's the point it, it can be come from a place of you know, it's really hard, not consciously, but unconsciously, it's really hard for me to accept that I might be wrong here or that you might see some part of me that I'm not really comfortable with you seeing. And so I'm going to armor myself up by kind of putting on a strong front or trying to uh, make excuses for what I've done or what you're seeing in me to try to like be on the defensive so that you can't attack me. Right. Because that's Mm. the perception that, like I said, most of this is unconscious, but I don't, I don't want you to attack me. I don't want you to see this vulnerable quote unquote weak part of me. So I'm going to launch an attack back. Well, I think for a lot of men, that is, that is true. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking from experience of myself, it's more of a, um, I'm going to build up a wall. So then I'm emotionless. Right. Yes. And I'm from the, I'm from Manchester and like Northwest of England. We shoot straight anyway. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. behind you is a, is a white wall. That's it. You're going to tell you mm-hmm. the way it is. Like I feel pissed, like mm-hmm. get fucked. And it was, mm-hmm. it's never like a, a jab at someone. It's just kind of the way it is. Mm-hmm. um and now just kind of developing a bit of self-awareness you're like okay cool me normally just having a great time seems quite direct so if i mm-hmm. smack up a wall right that's gonna seem super hostile and to mm-hmm. me in my head i'm just like i'm completely emotionless straight face nothing okay fine we're gonna narrow this conversation so uh the potential of me getting hurt is it's gonna go down but mm-hmm. on the receiving end, right, they're just going to think, oh, my God, he's getting aggressive. He's getting hostile. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's on the defensive. Like you said, he's mm-hmm. throwing something back at me. And it's like, mm-hmm. I think a lot of a lot of men shove this wall up and be like, cool. Nothing's going to hurt me now. Everything's yep. done. Like, yep. if you kill something, it can't hurt you, right? Yeah. Which yep. we're no longer fighting fucking tigers, like. Come yeah. on, we don't like <laughs> clenching your fist and throwing a rock at it is probably not the best response in most yeah. cases. Yeah. You don't have to share this if you don't feel comfortable. I'm just super curious how you've like navigated that in your own life coming from where you've come from. And it sounds like being on this path of self-awareness and wanting to try to respond in a different way. I'm curious what's helped you with that. Oh, um, I think it's a a combination of a lot of things. Um, Like I've lived in a a few different cities now. So I moved to the South of England and they're polar opposite people. 
like polar opposite. And then I moved to London and obviously you've got everybody and anybody in London. And then I went back to the South, back to the North, came over to Auckland, which is like the North of um, New Zealand. Now I'm in the South of New Zealand. Um, and obviously like traveled around and met a lot of people. Right. So you, you meet um, different people from different walks of life and the fitness industry is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Cause you're, you're coaching and having to interact and help people like are vastly different. So, mm-hmm. To be able to get better at my job, I have to look inside and be like, okay, how am I communicating? How am I portraying myself to this individual? How And then how did it go down? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can just drop F-bombs like it's going out of fashion. And that's mm-hmm. just that's just normal talking. But mm-hmm. going down to the South for the first time, they're like, Alex, like you um, you can't say that. I was like, mm. what do you what do you mean? Oh, no, like, <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> people are gonna take that literally i was like yeah fuck like no they're not you know what i mean and they're just like no no like again this is a great example like you can't say that and i'm like you know um i think i think naturally i'm rather self-aware um but that has definitely been vastly developed over time um mm-hmm. but naturally i'm also like an empath too right so you'll feel something and i'll sense that mm-hmm. so if I do something and I sense a negative reaction or negative feeling um, on your end, that will mm-hmm. fucking kill me. So mm-hmm. I'll be like, okay, I've made this person feel mm-hmm. whatever. I'm like, mm-hmm. then how did I make that person feel it? And I would mm-hmm. kind of just go through those processes in my head. So I think it's a, mm-hmm. I think it's quite a few things that have, that have mm-hmm. come together. Yeah. It sounds like being exposed to lots of different people and lots of different ways of, living and being and expressing yourselves both through uh, where you've lived and also through your work. It's the same thing for me in terms of being a therapist and being a coach. You have Mm. to learn how to interact with all kinds of different people and figure out what's going to land for them or work for them. And also this like empathic aspect that you have of, um, you know, you don't want to make other people upset you, you. So, and I mean, that's one of the best, uh, behavior changers, right? Is like when we have that, that, that ability to have empathy for other people and we want to, we want to relate to people well, and we see that something that we're doing isn't landing well, or isn't working quite, quite right. That's one of the most powerful motivators for change. I think. Mm, Like self-reflection and self-awareness is is so important. And I think everybody in any like job, any relationship, anything that they're doing, like a fucking hobby or whatever. I think mm-hmm. that's 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 what we need because you you can highlight your weaknesses, right? And work with them rather than mm-hmm. blindly and ignorantly and arrogantly just be like, nah, nah, whatever, and then they mm-hmm. work against you. Absolutely. And then that just causes conflict between human beings, right? Yeah, definitely. Damn. Um, what what's the this oh this is interesting because i haven't and never will experience it what is the difference between same-sex relationships as in like um difficulties you see mm. of between building the relationship between same sex and then and then opposite sex 
Hmm. I have mostly worked with uh, women who are dating women talking about like early aspects of relationships. I've worked with men who date men who are like further into their relationships. So I don't know as much about kind of the building part. Um, But one of the challenges, one of the good things and challenges of women who date women is that um, relationships tend to build very quickly between women. So the good part of that is that, you know, there's not a lot of barriers. There's not a lot of walls. Connection happens quite easily and quite fast. The hard part about that is that women who date women can often, um, get really immersed in each other's lives really quickly. And when, you know, I think we all can relate to that, those early feelings in our relationship or early feelings when we've met someone new, where we're like really excited about them. We can't stop thinking about them. They're like, feels like it's there our whole life. We can't wait to see them again. And when you are in that feeling and making really big life decisions, like moving in together. Um, I mean, that's the biggest one. I think that, that women who date women will often jump into quite quickly is, um, moving in together, maybe introducing each other to each other's families. I don't think that's such a bad thing. Um, but so the relationship can build very quickly in that state versus typically for uh, women and men couples, um, that process is more prolonged. And so by the time people are making big decisions, like living together or getting married, things like that, uh, they're out of that initial limerence phase of being super excited about the other person and like, can't think about anything but them. So they're making those decisions from a little bit more of like a grounded and rational place. Um, so the main challenge I see for women who date women is like their, their lives getting too intertwined too quickly. And then by the time they're starting to actually really get to know each other, sometimes they can be like, oh gosh, what have I gotten myself into here? Well, why do you think that is? Um, I think that women biologically are more driven to, uh, to be connected. Like it's, it comes easier for women. And so when you have a couple, that's two people who feel that way, it's like, it just like, it's like a slide with grease on it, right? Like just slide right on down, like as fast as you could possibly go. And when you have a couple, that's a woman and a man, there's usually the woman, the woman who's more interested in kind of pushing the relationship forward. And typically the man is a little bit more reserved about that. So that kind of slows the pace of things down. Of course, there are exceptions to that, but that seems to be kind of the general rule. Yeah, of course. Like it's, you know, stereotypes are built on the truth, right? Like um, we're not speaking for everybody, but it's like the blanket statement. And that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. I think it goes back to, you know, the wall analogy. I think it goes back to um insecurities i think i think most men when they're younger um actually are fearful of a lot of things like they're Mm. scared and they don't they don't feel safe right and i think Mm -hmm. the feeling of safety for for men growing up um and again i'm going to make a blanket statement is Mm -hmm. is rather unknown and I think that just bleeds off negatively into them building relationships, right? Because you're like, I'm not safe. Mm-hmm. Something's going to happen. This person's going to leave. They don't, whatever insecurity is going to come into their, come into their heads, mm-hmm. right? And they're like, mm-hmm. boom, keep you outside. If yeah. everyone's outside of my head, no one can hurt me, right? Yeah. And I even remember saying and thinking, I was like, yep, yeah, you can hurt me physically, whatever, but 
mm-hmm. I will never let you in my head because you can't mm-hmm. you can't get in there. You'll never hurt it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think you know if you want to go deeper into that cave, I think it's um, lack of confidence. Mm-hmm. Say more about that. I'm curious to hear more about what you think about that. Um, it come. I think it goes lack of confidence and like a little bit of self hatred. I know hatred mm. is, is a strong word, but it's like, uh, um, I'm not proud of this part of me or mm. I am supposed to be all light, right? We, we, mm-hmm. we watch movies and they're like, oh, these heroes are like fantastic and everything's mm-hmm. light. I was like, no, Jesus Christ. Like That's the sun, reality. the sun rises and sets every yes. frigging day. You know what yes. I mean? So it means yes. like it has to be dark half the day. Yeah. Right? Or if you're in Iceland, like all the day, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is crazy. Well, um, yeah, I think it's I think it's lack of self confidence um, because they don't like part of themselves. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think I'm thinking too about um, you know the thing that I see come up often for people kind of across genders is well, what I think can help with that is faith in our resilience. So Mm -hmm. if we trust that no matter what happens to us emotionally, no matter what comes our way, that we'll be able to make our way through that and survive Mm -hmm. it, then we don't have to be so afraid of letting people in, right? Because it's okay if we get hurt, you know, obviously we're going to do what we can to protect ourselves from that and not make decisions that are very clearly going to lead in that direction. Right. But some of it, some of it just isn't fully avoidable. Like there are going to be times where people hurt us against our expectations of what's going to happen. But if we can, what, if we can, if we can know and be grounded in the fact that, we'll survive that, we'll be okay, then it just creates more space for being able to open ourselves up in that way, mm. I think. I'm so glad you said that because, you know, you know, a lot of people will talk to me in, in whatever capacity of whatever part of, you know, the job or jobs that I'll do, right? And I'll be like, okay, mm-hmm. picture this. Everybody leaves you. Everybody you know in your life leaves you, doesn't know you, wishes you're dead, whatever. All the money gets gone, all the possessions gone, the clothes on your back, everything's gone right? You're literally mm-hmm. and physically naked, like, mm-hmm. right? I was like, you'll fucking find a way. You'll figure yeah. it out. Yep. It's like, because if you give yourself no other option and no other choice, you will figure it out. Yeah. Right? And it's just being able to, I guess, tricking yourself to believing that, you know, fake it till you right. make it and all that nonsense. And, and I think that's one of the actually like the wonderful things about getting older is that the more life experience that we have of overcoming adversity and getting through hard times, the more I think faith and trust we build in ourselves to be able to do that. Right. Like mm-hmm. I think about the first, you know, my first big breakup of like a really serious relationship and how absolutely devastating that was mm. for me. I mean, it took me like a good six months to just be like a normal human again. And I'm sure like I was still grieving it beyond that. I mean, I still think about it now. It was like 20 years ago. Mm. Um, and, but then, you know, having made my way through that, I just wasn't that, I wasn't as scared for it to happen again, because I was like, that was awful. 
was really, really painful. I don't want to ever feel something that bad again, but I also want to love and I want to be loved. And I know that to experience that there is some risk involved that this might happen again. I might, I might get hurt in the same way, but I just trusted that I would be able to make my my way through it because I already had, you know, so I think that really helps. So what advice would you give someone who was in the same boat, right? But went down the other avenue of like, I don't ever want to fucking feel that again. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to do everything I can. So I will never feel that again. Mm. Well, the question would be, you know, how, how important is it to that person to, to feel connection? Because if it isn't that important for that person to feel connection, there's not a whole lot that I could say to that person that would make them want to risk the pain that could be involved in, Mm. uh, you know, putting themselves out there again, because it's not valuable enough to them. But for most people, connection is really important underneath that wall of that was really painful. I never want to feel that again. So I'm going to do everything I can to prevent that from happening again. It's a hard thing to, to start with, but I, I think about doing things in small steps. So it doesn't have to be that you go from like A to Z in one second. It could be like, can you, can you say, hi to someone at the grocery store, you know, or can you or even just like out walking in the world that might be even less threatening because it's kind of a normal thing to do, depending on where you live to just like acknowledge people in the street. Um, and then getting to the point, like just building slowly, like, can you sign up for a dating app or ask, um, someone that you know or friends and family to like introduce you to someone can you go on a date without having these expectations of like it has to be for this particular purpose of Mm -hmm. you're going to find your life partner and it's going to be forever and there's going to be so much pressure around all of this it doesn't have to be all of that like I think that's what feels overwhelming for people of like whoa that's a lot of pressure and and it's also really scary to imagine my, my like making myself vulnerable in that way but if you build up to it slowly by doing the smaller things then it might not feel so overwhelming Mm, i think that's i think that's a really good advice yeah and i think people are scared of going from like zero to 100 commitment of a romantic relationship right and you're like holy shit dude like you don't just sort of look at the at the base of everest look at the top and jump to the top i'm like (laughs) right exactly (laughs) like there's a lot of small steps you got to do before then right absolutely I i think um I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the better you are at building platonic relationships, mm-hmm. the better you are at building romantic relationships. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Because ultimately a healthy uh, romantic relationship has that foundation of a platonic relationship. You know, mm-hmm. you, you have that friendship with each other that that's a great foundation to build a romantic relationship from. So yeah, if you already have that skill in your life, then that's going to translate to romantic relationships for sure. Mm. Do you think they, they have to be best friends? Mm, no. And I think that there are some benefits to couples not being best friends, um, which is kind of against popular ideas about what relationships should be like, but I, I really like, um, the therapist and writer Esther Perel and one of her, um, one of her kind of philosophies is that 
uh, which I have totally seen to be true in the people that I have worked with over time and in my own relationships is that um, it's important to have healthy separateness in a relationship and that to put the pressure that culturally we currently put on um, partners, especially spouses, that this person is going to be your everything, your best friend, your confidant, your sex partner, your uh, person that you watch Netflix, like all of the things, <laughs> your emotional support, your financial support, or at least like mutually contributing to that. That's a lot of pressure for any one person and any one relationship. And it's, it's often not a realistic expectation. So it's healthy and good to have other relationships outside of your romantic relationship where you also get some of those needs met. So I think if you have a best friend outside of your partnership, that's not a bad thing. In fact, that's probably going to help your romantic relationship because it allows you to connect as partners in a way that might be different than, I mean, that's the, the goal, right? Like you're connecting in a way that's different from your friendships. You might have a friendship be a part of your romantic relationship. I can't imagine somebody not having a friendship be a part of it, but the person doesn't need to be your best friend. Mm. Yeah, I think it's really important to have very, very strong rela uh, relationships outside of your romantic relationship, outside yes. of partnership, right? Yeah, like definitely. definitely. And do you think um, do you think opposites attract? And do you think mm. it works? I have mixed feelings about that. I, I mean, I definitely think opposites attract. Um, the the one way that I think that can be really difficult for people and something that I end up helping people with a lot is that um, people who have an anxious attachment style, so they, mm. they tend to really value um, their relationships, think a lot about them and uh, be kind of on edge and on the lookout for any signs that something might be off or wrong in the relationship. Those people are often attracted to and pair with people who have an avoidant attachment style, which is people who are more independent, want more space, kind of can be hot and cold about being connected and, and pulling away from the relationship. And so when those two people date each other, they create a lot of, it creates a lot of conflict in the relationship because they want very different things. And the things that each of that, they basically trigger each other all of the time because, because of the different things that they want and what's important to them. So that's one way where opposites attract that can be very difficult. It can be worked with if there's a lot of consciousness around what's happening and a lot of communication about like, okay, this is what I need here. This is what you need here. Can we find a middle path that honors both things? Um, but in terms of other things, like <laughs> I think about most of the couples that I know have kind of a balance of an extrovert and an introvert. And I think that can work very well because um, the extrovert kind of helps pull the introvert into the social world a little bit more than they might otherwise inclined to be. Um, and maybe the introvert helps the extrovert kind of be a little bit more grounded and create a home life. Also, um, I'm trying to think of other things where their opposites can attract. But yeah, I mean, I think it's good for people to have differences 
and come together in partnership. I think if two people were exactly the same, that wouldn't make for a very dynamic or interesting relationship. So it's fine to have significant differences as long as you can communicate about what each of you need and find the middle path between the two. Mm. Mm. Yeah. If you get a, basically a clone of one another and put them together, right. It's, it, it's almost like boring. You're like, I was going to say, like, I picture that being really flat, like, flat. Mm, yeah, that's a great okay. Way here's me here. I like, do I want to be in a relationship with me? I mean, I am pretty cool, but I, I want something that's like, you know, I'm already hanging out with me all the time. I don't need another version of me. Mm. Yeah. And it goes, it goes to like, I think challenge, I was going to say conflict, but that's, that's not Mm. right. I think challenge is really healthy in the sense of, okay, I'm going to like propose uh, my point of view to you. And if you just were like, yeah, that's great. Like every time. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) A bit dull. (laughs) Yeah. Like, uh, I guess I'm already a genius. You know what I mean? I know everything. (laughs) I was like, no, that's not, that's not the case, dude. That's a really good point. Like that challenge helps us grow that we get to be exposed to different ways of thinking about things or doing things versus if somebody else was just doing things and thinking about things the exact same way that we were, that wouldn't really challenge us to grow. Mm. It's hard though. Right. Cause a lot of people, um, go the other route with of what I was going to say. It's like they mm. see it as conflict rather than, yeah. oh no, no, it's just like differences in an opinion rather than smacking together like opposite, um, sort of the same pole of coming right. at it from a different angle and be like, let's converse over it. Right. We can still sit, uh, leave with the same opinion as we started yes. the conversation with, but now yes. we've seen another side. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And to, I imagine that that takes, humility and um it's like humility and empathy like i i can hold my position about this lightly and be curious about what your position is and like you said that doesn't mean that i have to change how i think about this but i can just allow myself to be curious about it and have a conversation um yeah i think we grow even from from those experiences of just being exposed to something that's different from how we might already be doing things or thinking about things. Mm, I think, I think conversation is a beautiful thing, right? We Mm -hmm. get to take a dip into someone else's reality and be able to kind of converse over that and be able to say, okay, now I can see it from your side or I can see it Mm -hmm. from a different angle. And um, it's quite funny because we'll do that and acknowledge that in the workplace. And a lot of us will do that and acknowledge that in friendship circles. Mm-hmm. And then when it's your missus or your fella yeah. or, or whatever, it's like, oh, no, 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 what are you doing? Like, fuck you. Like, you're, <laughs> you're telling me I'm wrong. It's like, geez, calm down. Lad. Like, yeah, I was just, I was just thinking the other day how, how, you know, quote unquote, well, we behave outside of our relationship in, in contrast to how we behave inside of our relationship, right? Like we know how to um, treat other people with kindness and patience and empathy, like in our friendships at work, those kinds of things, like maybe not hundred percent of the time because we're all human and we, we have our moments and we have different varying abilities to, um, to be patient and to be empathic. Like those are qualities that vary amongst people, but I was just thinking about how like, yeah, often we're able to kind of bring a, a better version of ourselves to the places outside of a romantic relationship. And because 
our relationship is safe. And because we have so much contact with that person, there's, there's just naturally going to be more potential for conflict. We don't always extend, we don't, we don't often extend that same, those same qualities that we bring to our other relationships to our partnerships. And I think if people just were conscious of that alone and thinking about, you know, what I really want, like what my intention is, is to bring the best version of myself to my partnership as well. Um, again, it's not going to be perfect all of the time. We're humans, but like really in intending to do that, that would solve so many relationship problems because usually the opposite is happening, right? Like we're bringing the tired, worst version, like least filtered version of ourselves to our partnerships. And, and I think they can suffer because of that. Mm, that's totally right and people think they're safe right safe mm -hmm. whatever that means it's like oh it's fine i've got her they've got me it's fine yeah. we're sorted blah, blah blah but they don't understand it's either growing or dying like there is yeah. no stagnant like the only constant in life is change and it's either right. you're getting better and things are get progressing and getting better and better and better and you're learning more right. about yourself and the other person and then more learning more about you and the the, the combination between the two of you or right. it's going the other way, right? And it's like, oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. And then next thing you know, you're, you're getting served with a divorce paper. Right. And and I really think about, this is kind of like a non-traditional way to think about relationships, especially because of the way that kind of marriage used to be framed. But I think about relationships as being like an ongoing choice. They are an ongoing choice, right? And we don't often think about it through that lens. We think about, oh, I'm with this person now. And so- they're going to be with me until mm -hmm. something catastrophic happens. And then maybe they won't be with me, but especially for people who get married, I think a lot of people think like, okay, well, this is going to be for life now. And so I don't have to worry about how I'm treating this person, not consciously, but this is kind of what happens. Like I don't really have to worry about how I'm treating this person because I've got them. They're mine now. And I don't think that's a helpful way to approach relationships at all. Like we are, we are people, we are, um, was like, what was the word I was thinking of? We are like autonomous beings. We both get to decide whether or not we want to continue to be in this partnership. And, and even if you have a value around marriage, that marriage is till death, or you, you know, it's something that you never, uh, you never break. You don't believe in divorce. I still think it's really healthy and helpful to bring that perspective to a relationship that like, like, even if this person quote unquote has to continue choosing me, like I want them to want to continue to choose me. So how do I want to show up in a relationship so that they're going to want to continue to choose me? Not from a place of like, let me be exactly who they need me to be or want me to be in order for them to like me. But like, I want to be the best version of myself. So this person wants, continues to want to be in this relationship and that I want to continue to be in this relationship. Fuck oh, yeah. And you, you said a phrase there of their mind and that, mm. that really stuck with me because so many people live their life like that. Oh, their totally. mind. I was like, what? You think you fucking own them? Like, nope. are you, are you crazy? <laughs> like yep. the only other time that will happen is if, if you have a slave. So you're right. relating your partner to a slave. Right. Are you absolutely mental? I was like, no, you yeah. don't own them at all. They're not yours. Yeah. Like they're choosing to be with you and you're choosing to be with them. Right. Exactly. Honor them as an individual, yourself and the space that you've then created uh, between you. And yes. Do something about it. Build it. Yeah. Rather than yep. just, oh, no, no, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. I mean, wow. like you said, the relationship is either going to be growing and evolving and the people are going to be growing and evolving, or it's going to be stagnant and that's not going to feel good for anyone. That's not going to be healthy for the relationship. No, that's where people start, you know, straying too far away from home. Right. And yeah. things get awfully messy. Yeah. Wow. I'm a little bit blown away by this. <laughs> There's so much to talk about when it comes to relationships. My brain is just full, full of, full of, full of information about all of this stuff. <laughs> well, my brain's already blown. So if you wanted to throw anything else in there, that's just going to like completely destroy my brain for the rest of the day. I'm, I'm always up for it. Like, it's, I think, um, something that really blew my mind that only recently in the last like two years have I kind of been um, shown it away or exposed to it is like non-traditional relationships. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say I come from a traditional background because well, I, I don't, it's just very working class, but you know, we have the, and I'm not saying um, same sex is non-traditional. That to mm-hmm. me is completely normal. Do whatever you want, date however you want, fuck whatever you want. Like, I don't really care. Do what you think. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the whole, this like a polyamory and mm-hmm. and um like completely completely left field i've pointed to my right completely left field <laughs> <laughs> i'm awake honest completely left field <laughs> i was like that is really interesting and fascinating to me because i have zero like knowledge on it mm-hmm. what's, yeah it's some what's that go like ahead. you know it's something that i honestly am really realizing I want and need to learn more about because I am not an expert in that subject at all, but more and more people are coming to me all the time with, um, an interest in practicing polyamory in their lives. And so I'm like, all right, this is the trend. This is the way things are going. This is something that I really need to be well versed in. Um, and, and luckily there are some good resources out there for, um, for learning about this and kind of figuring out how you might be able to um, implement this in your life if it's something that you're interested in. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's complex. The main thing that I know about polyamory is that um, it requires a ton of communication. And one thing that I've learned about it too that I find really interesting is um, it's, it, kind of because you're going outside of, you know, what we've considered to be a traditional relationship structure, you have an opportunity to kind of deconstruct all of that of like, this is what a relationship looks like. And this is what a relationship is. And you get to decide with your partner partners, what you want your arrangement to look like. So I think for, you know, for straight couples who are in a traditional monogamous relationship, there's a lot that's just taken for granted about relationships. And we just, we just assume, or we kind of just fall into, this is how a relationship goes. And, and this is what 
men and women do when they are together. And the really cool thing about polyamory is that there's so much opportunity to create exactly what you want and exactly what serves all the parties involved versus just like, oh, this is just how we relationship without much conscious thought going into it. So that part I'm super interested in. Yeah, I think I think the uh, the communication uh, aspect is really, really progressive. And I think it's really healthy of like, like, I'm going to tell you everything and you're going to tell me mm-hmm. everything and we're going to figure this shit out. I think mm-hmm. that's really important and can be related to everything. Platonic, romantic, one person, yeah. a million people, whatever. Like, yeah. I think that's really, really important. Like mm-hmm. it's <clears throat> still baffles me. I don't think I could do it. Um, mm-hmm. That's, you know, it's not my cup of tea, but also like, like I said at the beginning, right. I like having conversations of things I know nothing about, even if I'm mm-hmm. completely not interested in it. I'm like, let me learn from it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I'm, I would say, I'd say I'm more spiritual in the sense of us as human beings. Um, like as a kid, I'll go, I'll go this way. As a kid, I really liked the whole Greek mythology of, um, you know, one soul is split into two and it like a complete fucking Romeo. And then you find that person, right? And it completely like molds together and it's complete soul again. Now I think that's complete trash, but it's mm-hmm. it's like a cool little step fairy tale we like to we like to tell ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. I like to think of we are all whole anyway, right? Everything mm-hmm. you need is already within you. Mm-hmm. Everything that you experience, everything that you see, everything that you read, everything throughout life and all the people that you meet just help pull it out of you. Right. Mm -hmm. So I like to think of it as two whole people coming together Mm -hmm. or three, four, five, whatever, whatever you like, whole people coming together and be like, cool, this is kind of like who I am. This is the light and the dark. This is the, Mm -hmm. the, the fight. This is the flight. This is the love. This is the fuck. This is what, whatever. Like, I like thinking of it that way. I think that's so healthy and helpful. I think that, that idea of, you know, I'm incomplete until I find my other half, like not helpful. And, and, and again, put so much pressure on this other person to make you happy, to complete you. I think it's totally true that we are already complete and that a relationship enhances our life. It doesn't complete it. It's just something to add to it. And I think that, you know, naturally, as, as humans, most of us crave, um, crave connection. And so it's a natural thing. I think for people who are single, not in a relationship alone, I don't really like that word alone. Cause like, we're never really alone. We always have relationships. We just might not have a, a partnership. Um, I think it's really natural to desire that, um, when you don't have it, it seems like now there are more and more people who are, who are feeling like, you know, I don't actually really desire it. I feel fine on my own. I don't really particularly want to have a partner. That's cool too. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this idea that we need this other person in order to be right or be whole, I think that that's, that's not true. Mm. And here's something for you, like this blew my mind and I completely agree with it is the feeling of one is stronger than the feeling of need. <clears throat> Excuse mm. me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, need is de- desperate. It's desperation. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like clawing at the fucking walls of like, oh my God, let me, let me, let me take this. I need this, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, no, you don't. Yep. Like yep. if you want it and you truly want it, that's, that's stronger because you'll end up yep. 
developing it and building it rather than just yeah. like taking it and like, okay, this is mine now. It's like, yeah. Nothing and is yours. I- Well, yeah. And I think also that energy can be felt in a relationship where I think people want to be wanted rather than needed. Right. Um, so when a relationship is starting from this place of, I need you to be okay, or I need you to be, to be complete, that energy turns off a lot of people like, Ooh, that doesn't feel quite right. Like I don't, some people, some people like that usually because of something that happened earlier on in their family life where they Mm -hmm. felt like maybe a family member, usually a parent needed them. And so they built identity around that. And then when that shows up again in a relationship, it's familiar and they like it. So that can be appealing to people. But, um, for a lot of people, it's like, Ooh, like that doesn't feel good. That feels like a lot of pressure. It feels like, um, yeah, there's like this neediness, clinginess piece to it that doesn't feel quite right versus um, like, oh, I'm good. I'm, I'm complete. I'm whole over here. And I desire you. I want to be with you. I enjoy your presence. I enjoy what you add to my life. Like that's, I don't know, even just saying those words, I feel like the difference energetically between those two. Fuck yeah. That's that's exactly what I was just about to say. It's just like, imagine someone coming up to you and be like, I need you. You'd be like, yeah. oh, geez, that's that's a bit, you know, all right. But if someone comes up to you and goes, I want you, in any yeah. sense of the word, right? You're like, oh, hello, let's go. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, interested. Yeah, be like, tell me more. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, and that's literally one word difference and right. completely change the narrative. Right, yeah. So if I was to like, okay, give me three to five key points of building a strong and I'm not going to use the word successful because that comes in many forms of people define that in different ways, right. Of a strong relationship. What would you say? What would you say is Hmm. key points? I mentioned one before, which is um, that you are as aligned in values as possible about the big, important things. So like looking for that in the beginning of a relationship and kind of using that as something that you decide about whether or not you want to invest in long-term partnership with this person. Um, The other thing that I feel really strongly about is the importance of being able to communicate well with each other. So people have different kinds of communication styles. And the question is, how do those two styles fit together when the two of you need to talk about difficult things? Um, And can you find a way, again, in like a middle path between their way and your way that works and, and that you're able to resolve conflicts ideally fairly easily. You know, that doesn't always happen. And people also have different, um, different tolerances for how much conflict they're willing to have in their relationship. And so if you're somebody who can tolerate a lot of conflict and your partner can too, and you don't resolve conflicts easily, that might all be okay. But if you're somebody who does not have that tolerance, it's going to be really important that you have a partner who is able to resolve conflicts pretty easily. Um, so that's two. What else is really important for building a healthy relationship? Um, I think having some, some shared interests and things that you can do together that you enjoy doing um, so that you have kind of like a, a mutual common ground to, to build upon and just like a way that you're able to connect that feels important and fun for both of you. 
pretty an obvious one, but feels worth mentioning. Um, what else is important? I think this kind of goes along the same lines as values, but slightly different that you have a shared vision for how you want your life to be. So I think this is a piece that a lot of people don't really think about until they get way further into their relationship where they're thinking about, you know, getting married or living with each other. Um, but I think if you're going to be investing in a relationship and you want it to be something long-term, it's something to it's, that's helpful to talk about all the time, you know, like, and of course these things can change too. So it's not like you talk about it once and then it's set in stone and that's the way that it's going to be, but having an, and kind of evolving ongoing conversation about like, what does, how do we want our lives to look like? What do we want to be doing for work? How much time do we want to be investing in work? Where do we want to live? How do we want to celebrate holidays? How do we want to interact with each other's families, each other's friends, all these kinds of things. There's actually this great book <clears throat> um, that, that the author sent me and I probably would have never known about it otherwise. And so I'm grateful that they sent it to me called, um, the hard questions by Susan Piver. And that's kind of one of her theses is that, um, really you're not just choosing a person, you're choosing the life that you'll have together with that person when you're, you know, investing in a long-term relationship with that person. And she's got a list of like, I don't know, like 50 questions or something like that of things that are really great to just be able to communicate about, about like, yeah, what do we want our life to look like? Um, so I think that piece is important. I'm trying to think what else. Oh, the, I mentioned this piece before too, but coming back to this again, like um, having room for healthy connection and also healthy separateness. So having things going on in your independent lives. So what happens a lot for people in early relationships is they will stop doing all the things that will, that were important to them or that they really enjoyed. They might not see their friends as much or at all. They might stop doing the hobbies that they like to do. They might stop working out or, you know, attending to their nutrition or whatever it might be. Um, because they're just so excited to be with this new person. So it's really important to stay connected to all of those things. And the level to which you're connected to them might have to shift to make space for this new person in your life. You know, like mm -hmm. you might not be able to spend as much time on these things as you had previously. Um, but you want to be able to hold on to those things and have a partner who's doing the same. That's going to contribute to a healthy relationship too. Those are the ones that come mm -hmm. to my mind off the top of my head. Mm, that last one, like, you know, it's also attractive for your partner to be doing all the shit, right? And yes. having a little bit of ambition and, absolutely, you know, uh, just kind of occupied elsewhere, like get a little bit of a hustle on in whatever way, whether it is, yes. you know, to, to make some make some dollar, whether it is a hobby, whether it's in the gym or whatever, just got a little bit yeah. of fire in the belly, you know, you're like, you get it. And it's kind of absolutely positively bounce off each other to be out of then grow as individuals as well as like yes. together rather than like yes. oh okay what do you want to do today oh i don't know what do you want to do today <laughs> oh, I, oh. yes okay not very exciting I guess, I guess we're not getting off the couch and eating doritos right. all day again it's like right <laughs> no, no wonder it feels fucking stale yeah another thing that esther perel talks about that i really like is is kind of along the lines of what you're just speaking to that like even somebody who just has um 
a, a hobby that they really like and that they've worked toward and that they're really good at, or just some, some area in their life where they really shine, that that's really attractive as a partner too, of like, you can see them because so much about, um, like maintaining sexual desire in a relationship over the long term is about allowing there to be some separation between the two of you, which is kind of goes against the way that a lot of us are like kind of taught to think about relationships of like, it's the merging of two souls into one. <laughs> like you're going to be together every second of your life and know every single detail about each other. Like that's actually not the recipe for maintaining sexual desire over time, which is why a lot of people have trouble with that in long-term relationships and that it's healthy, healthy and helpful to have some healthy separateness. And so seeing your partner as this separate person from you, who's doing this thing that maybe, you know, nothing about, or have nothing to do with, like, I don't, for some reason, maybe she gave this example once, but I'm like picturing someone playing polo. I have no idea why that's coming <laughs> to mind. It's like so random, but like, okay, yes, my partner's this really great polo player. And I go and I sit in the seats and I get to watch him play polo. Who plays polo? <laughs> Just giving it as an example. Um, and like, wow, I know nothing about horses. I know nothing about polo. I don't even know the rules of polo. I don't even know how polo works, but man, when I see my partner on that horse, just owning it at the polo game, like that really does it for me. So it makes sense that that's attractive when we can see somebody in their element shining in something that's totally separate from us. Fuck yeah. Like pa passion is, passion is attractive and passion is also like infectious, right? You see someone like get really irated about something and going hard on it. They're like, fuck, I got to go do something. And also you're like, I got to be around this person because this energy that you're giving off in whatever you could be, I don't know, like, like the example of playing polo, right? <laughs> You'd be like, Oh, this is incredible. I want to watch this person play some pilly ass spot all the time. Yeah. Is, it, is it even a spot though? Like, I don't know. We'll call people. it an activity. Yeah. yeah geez. An activity. Yeah. That's probably what they yeah. call it. Like, yeah, it's definitely attractive. Mm -hmm. I 100%. agree. 100%. I think, um, I think separating and separating, not completely just breaking it off, but having, like you said, healthy, healthy separateness um, and tasks and hobbies and that you like to do on your own or with other people. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. definitely, you know, it's interesting too. Cause you're like, Oh, what's it like? What did you do? Rather than, yeah. you know, we do the same shit. And I'm like, well, I know what it's like. And I know what you did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't need to ask you. Yeah. 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 It's like, I, I, it's, it's been interesting to me in, in my relationships to see the things that, you know, the people that I have dated have been interested in there. There's always been something that I've known like almost nothing about until I met that person. And then I got to learn all about it by mm -hmm. being with that person and seeing it through their eyes and see how they get excited talking about it. It's, it's fun. It's interesting. Yeah. It's what makes life interesting, you know, learning yeah. new things. And now you get to do it with um with a partner rather than just like finding your clone copy. Right. <laughs> that would be really weird. Yeah. I wouldn't I want to wake up be... someone looking like me. Yeah. It would be, I think it would be, like we said, pretty boring. Mm, really bland. So <laughs> I I usually end with the same three questions. All right. So are you ready? Mm -hmm. I'm ready. All right. Number one, the greatest piece of life advice you've ever received. Mm, oh my goodness <laughs> put you on the spot <sighs> let me think 
I think the thing that has impacted me the most, it's not like a pithy little thing. I mean, I don't really hold on to things like that very well, like a little statement, but it's, it's really about (laughs) the value of, um, of imperfection and that we, we gain so much by allowing ourselves to be open to making mistakes and to see those mistakes, not as failures, but as opportunities to learn from. I feel like if you can bring that perspective into your life, that like, there's no need to be perfect. All humans are imperfect. We're all going to make mistakes. Mistakes are not to be never to be had, like never, we're not to try to avoid mistakes completely, but we're, we're meant to try things, see how it goes. If it doesn't work out, use what we learned from that experience as we take that forward into whatever we do next in life. Like I just find that so, so valuable. I think that's really important. I think that's really important to hear um, for a female, to be honest, because everything tells you, you need to be perfect. Right. Mm -hmm. Like lads, not so much like ladies. Mm -hmm. It's like everything in your life needs to be absolutely perfect. And I'm like, honestly no like mm-hmm. again i'm going to speak from a lad's perspective i'm like if you you painted some fucking quote-unquote perfect lady in front of me i'd be like okay like mm-hmm. well, <laughs> what are you supposed to do like mm-hmm. it's like the textbook i'm good thank you but if mm-hmm. you you get someone who's an individual who's a fucking human being who's flawed physically and you know everything you're like, mm-hmm. wow, this is an individual. I can, you know, I can work with this. This is, mm-hmm. this is definitely attractive rather than just mm-hmm. this fucking perfect picture. I'm like, no. So ladies from a dude's perspective, don't strive to be perfect. Just be you. Mm, that's a great thing for women to hear. <laughs> no, legit, legit. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't get it. Like I don't get the whole like souped up, got to be glammed up all the time. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, like if you're doing that for you, you go do that. Because mm-hmm. your confidence will tell me that you're doing it for you and the confidence right. is what will be attractive, right? Right. But if right. you're like doing it because you got to look a certain way or act in a certain way because you've got to do that. And I'm like, guys, it just feels fake. And that, again, I'm, I can only speak for me, really. I was like, that's not attractive. Yeah. If you're just that's doing you and, you know, I don't know, you've kind of got a bed head or, or, or doing whatever, right? You're just like, that's fucking cool. Yeah. That's great. I'm sure there are a lot of women listening to this that will be helpful. We'll be happy to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime, anytime. Um, Question two leads on. uh, What's the worst piece of life advice you've ever received? Mm. Oh, let me think. (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to relate this to relationships because this is my thing. Um, And, and that is that, man, I still think that this is out there a lot that you should play hard to get in relationships because that is the recipe for insecure attachment, attracting people who have an avoidant attachment style. And if you are anxious, which a lot of people are, it's going to be so miserable for you. So don't do that. Be yourself, live your life, have experiences and things that you're doing outside of the relationship. You know, don't be like 24 seven on your, on your like on your phone, like available to that person. Like you want to have your own life, but don't create that artificially because that is not the grounds for a positive relationship. You had to get, (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't even know where to start. You know what I mean? I don't play hard to fucking get. What a shit piece of advice. I Um, know, hate it. 
Wow. So don't play hard to get, fellas, ladies. Um, question three, last one. What's three words you would tell your younger self? Mm, oh, my goodness. These are good questions. Oh, thank you. <laughs> three words I would tell my younger self. You are okay. Mm. Yeah. Because I think I like that's that what, a lot. you know, we're so, so much of us, so often we're afraid of that. Like, I'm not good. I'm not okay. Or I'm not going to be okay. Or I'm not good enough or any of that. Like, you could just let the little ones know, like, you're okay. You're going to be okay. Mm. That's beautiful. Thank you. And all the kids need to hear that. Yeah, I think so. Although kids probably shouldn't be listening to my potty mouth. <laughs> <laughs> the people who listen to this can tell kids that How about tell that? Kids, that'll, yeah. that'll be the way we get the kids to hear it <laughs> yeah yeah i think so well carry on I, I really appreciate your time and that's yeah. that is also a beautiful name oh thank you I appreciate um that. so um thank you so much for for yourself and everything that you do and um i can't wait to, to catch up soon yes thank you so much alex it's a pleasure talking with you well if you're ever in you know dicking around in the bottom right hand corner let me know and we'll go grab a coffee and uh we'll chat some shit you know likewise if you find yourself in in southern california we'll get together well i got i got some mates in um san diego which is mm. obviously right down south in in california yeah, so yeah I, I i keep meaning to to come over like whenever the borders open up and they seem like mm-hmm. they're going to remain open so i can actually mm-hmm. get back that's um, important. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe, you know, I'm known as a bit of a nomad. So maybe I just pack my things and live in, live yep. in a suitcase again. Yep. Um, who knows, but I'll be over pretty soon. Cool. Cool. Well, hit me up, but we will get together. <laughs> Thank you, boss. All, All right. right. Take it easy. Have a good day. You too. See you later. Bye.